Welcome to Bitcoin Sermons, the podcast that preaches how Bitcoin is connected to the coming of Jesus. It's a fascinating topic, and I think it's like the elephant in the room that not many are really talking about, even though it's so obvious. Well, whether you're a Bitcoiner or a Christian or both, this podcast has something for you. In today's episode, I want to share with you some thoughts regarding topics that have come to my attention this week. In particular, there is a passage in the Old Testament that speaks about the law of God and how the people of God were supposed to relate to that. And I want to take a look at that in the light of Bitcoin. And I think you'll find that very fascinating. I would also like to share some thoughts on the way that virtual cards and digital wallets work and what implications that could have for people that they might not really readily recognize. So with that, let's just go ahead and jump right into the first topic. I will begin reading in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 11, verse 18. And just to give you sort of a background of what this chapter is talking about, it's an exhortation to the people to remember and practice the law that God had given while they were at Mount Sinai, which is the Ten Commandments, but also including the statutes and judgments and all the sort of ancillary aspects of the law. It's the whole law that's being included here. And it speaks of many blessings that should attend the people if they keep this law. And it kind of reviews their history a little bit and just, it's like a sermon of exhortation to be faithful to the law, to keep the law. And here in verse 18, Deuteronomy 11, verse 18, it says, Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you, to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours, from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And I'm going to stop right there. So 
this is uh, this actually refers to the in speaking of the curse it refers to what we talked about in regards to the seven years or 2520 days that was relevant in the time of king nebuchadnezzar and had to do with the fall of babylon so that's the curse that's being spoken of here but there's also a blessing if you obey it says if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God. Now, um, I want to sort of study this in the context of Bitcoin, understanding that, you know, as it is often said, Bitcoin is ruler, uh, I'm sorry, rules without rulers. And so it's a system of rules. This is the point to, that I want to make right here, right now. And rules are like, like um, the statutes, or the commandments, okay? Those are what rules are, right? And we received, in the context of Bitcoin, we received the rules, the, the code, right? The, the software, the code, is the law. Um, that's one of the mantras of the cypherpunk movement, is code is law. And so if we recognize sort of Bitcoin core, and its code as basically the law in comparison to the Ten Commandments that were given on Sinai, and you recognize the sort of rules of the system as being the entire um, ceremonial uh, law of ordinances that were connected with the nation of Israel, then this passage in Deuteronomy takes on a certain kind of significance that I think is very relevant. And I believe it goes deeper than just an analogy. And that's why I'm bringing these things forward. That's what motivates this whole podcast is that, you know, there are uh, many out there who make religious comparisons with Bitcoin and who uh, <laughs> accuse Bitcoiners of being a cult and, you know, things like that. But more than just making a comparison, I believe that there's actually an argument to say that the principles of Bitcoin are actually the principles of God and that there's more than just an analogy between religion and Bitcoin, but that Bitcoin is, in a sense, true religion. So, so that's what I want to look at here as we look at these verses. So first of all, in verse 18, it talks about laying up these words in your heart and soul, binding them for a sign upon your hand, the hand refers to actions, the things you do, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And between your eyes refers to your forehead, the, the center of consciousness and uh, decision, the frontal lobe of the mind. And so it's referring very much to the thoughts and actions, what you believe and what you do. And that's sort of the crux of who a person is. It's what they think and what they do. And so this passage kind of outlines that if you put the law of God as the first and most important thing in your thoughts and in your actions, if your thoughts are always revolving around how to live a righteous and just life according to the law of God, and your actions are putting that into practice on a daily basis, then blessings will attend you, the blessings of God, 
because it's his law that you are following. And if you don't, then curses will follow. And so putting that in the context of Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a system that is relentlessly just. It's not possible to double spend. It's, you know, you can't deceive. If you, if you own the coins, then you can prove that with your private key. If you don't own them, you can't. So there's, it's, very, it's, a, it's an honest system. It's a just system. It's a system that cannot be forced, right? The network doesn't allow you to act in ways contrary to the, the law in the code, so to speak. And so that's very much like the law of God that ultimately, you know, even if you break the law of God here on earth, you don't get away with it in the scheme of things. Ultimately, the consequences of that will come in due time. And that's kind of what's being expressed in this passage. But the point that I think is important to see here is that it's talking about making this law part of your everyday life. When you lay something up in your heart and in your soul, and it's on your mind and it's in your actions, that's part of you. It's part of your everyday life, part of your character. And it says in the next verse, And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. So it's so much a part of daily life that it's, it's part of what you consider important and fundamental to convey to your children and to teach the next generation. And I think this is exemplified very well with how Bitcoiners today are teaching their children the principles of sound money. And interestingly, money is something that is in your hand, in your actions. It's on your mind. It's something that you think about and talk about all the time. In the context of Bitcoin, this really makes a lot of sense because money is something that's so integral to the very fabric of life that you almost have to talk about it and, and deal with it and think about it. There's no way to really escape that, but there are sort of two ways to talk about money. And I'm referring to the fiat way versus the Bitcoin way. And we're going to come a little more to that distinction here as we go on. But just to kind of introduce the idea where, where I'm going with that is when you talk about money in your household and you say things like, oh, the price of this has gone up, or oh, you know, when the conversation about money revolves around the sort of fiat ways of thinking, as probably most of the world has grown up with, then that kind of distorts the way of thinking. And it encourages people to seek money with less effort. And you end up with lots of get-rich-quick schemes. You end up with, like, for example, children want to grow up and pursue an education in order to get a better job that pays more money for less work. Um, things like that. So this is all part of the thinking. There's so much that goes into the everyday thinking about money and how we view money that in a fiat mindset, 
there's always an underlying drive to gain more money. And I think this is a good point to bring in a verse from the New Testament that I think is very relevant to the fiat Bitcoin debate. And that's the verse that says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And I would just submit to you that that verse has been misunderstood, and and perhaps rightly so, because in the fiat mindset, when that was all we knew, then in a sense, it was true that the love of money was the root of all evil. You know, we've talked in previous episodes about some of the incentives of like how, for example, fiat money incentivizes violence. And we broke that down to show that violence is simply the taking by force and that the powers that be, whether that be the governments, whether that be other sort of financial instrumentalities in the world at up at the high levels, that ultimately the ones who print money and devalue currency and take that away, so basically all governments do that. I mean, just mentioning the 2% inflation goal or anything like that is an admission on the part of those powers that their intention is to take 2% of the value of your money by force. And that is an act of violence. And that has been taken to an extreme in recent years with all the money printing that has gone on. And so, so much money has been taken by violence, and that is evil. And so, you know, when the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, in the fiat mindset, that is 100% true. Because the more you love money, these, these people who are inflating the money supply in order to get more money to redistribute to their own causes and to guide the affairs of the world according to their intentions, that is the love of money at work. And that is the root of all evil. You know, it's probably not hyperbole when uh, Bitcoiners say Bitcoin fixes this to virtually everything. Because virtually everything, that is to say, all the evil in the world, ultimately, according to the Bible, is rooted in the love of money which is sort of epitomized by the fiat monetary system and the way that it incentivizes and facilitates and motivates sort of just the gaining of money, the rent-seeking, the taking money by force, which is theft, okay? I mean, when you really look at these things in their true light, yes, it is evil. Well, okay, but on the flip side, then we have Bitcoin, and I think any Christian is at some point asks themselves, well, if the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, is it okay if I love Bitcoin, you know, or am I, you know, treading down the, a path toward evil? And I think that's a valid question that needs a serious answer. And the, the fact is, Bitcoin is a system that is just to the utmost. You can't game it. You can't you know, you put in, it's, it's a proof of work system. You put in the work and you get the reward. It's that simple. And it's not about who you know that, you know, you can benefit 
from the system. It's not about tactics of, oh, if you do this and this and that, you can make more money, you know, for less work or whatever. No, it cuts through all that and through its laws in the code, it enforces justice fairly for everyone. And so when you love Bitcoin, and I would venture to say if you ask most Bitcoiners who really are in it for because they understand what it is and what it means, if you would ask, you know, why do you love Bitcoin? The answer in some form would probably revolve around the principles of the system and how it is just, it is fair, it is equitable, it is open, it is permissionless, it is secure, you know, all these kinds of things. And because of this justice, Bitcoin is hope, as it is often said, because under a just law, there is hope. But under an unjust law or an unjust system, there is no hope. You lose your hope when you realize, for example, uh, you know, why should I work hard to earn money when uh, it's just going to be inflated away and taken by force in a way that I, as an individual, am powerless to fight against. So that takes away hope. But Bitcoin, because of its justice, brings back, it gives hope. And so when you love Bitcoin, you're not loving money in the sense of money, but you're loving justice. And, you know, God is a God of justice. And if you love justice, you love God because that's what he is. And so in a certain sense, you know, and of course, it depends on your attitude, of course. I mean, you can pursue Bitcoin with a fiat mindset and in that sense, loving the gains of Bitcoin, for example, um, would be no different than, you know, the fiat mindset of loving money and that being the root of all evil. But the beautiful thing is that the system of Bitcoin ultimately does not incentivize that. And so if you really understand the principles of Bitcoin and you love it for what it is, then you're not loving money per se, but you're loving justice. And the money is just the money. That's just what it is. It's like it's like energy, for example. Oftentimes it's said that Bitcoin is money that's based on energy. And so do you love energy just because you use it? No, it's it has nothing to do with love or not. But do you love a fair price for the energy you consume, for example? Yeah, and that's loving justice. And so I think it's important to put that verse in context and to just recognize that it's not wrong to love a system of monetary justice. That is actually a good thing. And that's expressing love towards God, who is the embodiment of justice, so to speak, or from whom all justice flows. And so with that distinction in mind, that loving money in the fiat mindset is the root of all evil, but loving justice with the Bitcoin mindset is actually the cure and the hope for all the evil that's in this world. So let those principles be what you talk about on a daily basis and what you teach your children and what you practice in your life and what you think about. And so I think, you know, that's to some degree what Bitcoiners embody. You know, that's all they think about. That's all they talk about. I mean, you see this in the memes, like, you know, there'll be the meme of the, you know, the guy and the, the girl, you know, on a date or whatever. And, you know, all he wants to do is talk about Bitcoin, you know, <laughs> 
you know, that's what's sort of the all-consuming thing on the mind and in the actions that uh, is being uh, thought about, talked about, and taught. And that's what this verse is saying here about the law of God. And I think it's, you know, it's just humorous in a certain way that it has become almost obvious how the Bible verses are fulfilling in the experience of Bitcoin and Bitcoiners without them even knowing it and without them even realizing that they are doing what the verse said and they don't realize it because it's Bitcoin instead of the Bible. It's code is law instead of the code of law from Mount Sinai. But the principles are the same and the principles of Bitcoin are the principles of the law of God. So I think that's just really amazing and, and worth taking a close look at. And that's why I'm doing this podcast, to give uh, an opportunity to really dig into these things. Now, uh, continuing to verse 20, it says, And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. Okay, so, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates. Well, what could that mean in the Bitcoin context? I mean, I suppose it can be, for example, you know, what are your doors and gates? Those are the uh, entry points where people can reach you, right? If you want to uh, talk to somebody, you go to their, you go to where they live and you, you go through their gate and you, and you, and you knock on their door right? So these are the entry points to reach someone. And what are our entry points in the world today, in, in the sort of internet world that we live in? You know, you've, you've got your gates, your gateways. That's like, those are like your messaging, your social media accounts. That's kind of your, the gateway to, to reach someone. And your, your home, the door of your home is kind of like your homepage, right? Your website. Now, what do we see happening in the social media spaces and the homepages of Bitcoiners today. Well, what we see on social media is you see zap capability. You see lightning everywhere. So there you have money being talked about and being put into practice right there on the social media entryways. And then on their homepage is the same thing. You have people uh, with, you know, Bitcoin services or Bitcoin promotion or you know, anything to do with Bitcoin on their homepages, accepting Bitcoin payments. You know, this is all being talked about and implemented. It's in the hand and on the mind of Bitcoiners in this new paradigm under this new law, this new financial law that has been handed to us in these recent years through the invention of Bitcoin. So I think that's just amazing. And that, you know, that's very real and very practical. And that that's something that fulfills these verses in a way that I don't think has ever happened on that scale any time in the past. I mean, if you think about the literal law of God, how, how many Christians do you know, for example, who literally talk about Christian things and, you know, Christian principles, you know, all the time, every time, you know, whenever you come to them, whenever you, you know, does it really happen the way these verses describe? I would say, you know, some people 
try to do that because they recognize that's what God says here in these verses. But the vast majority of Christians can't really in a practical way do that or don't do it. And so, but what you see with the Bitcoiners is that they do, and it just flows from them. It happens automatically. It's something that you can just look at what's happening and just see that, yeah, they're doing what the verse says, you know, even though they don't, they themselves are not aware of it. And, you know, I guess it might be worth pointing out too, that to a Christian, a lot of the Bitcoiner lifestyle ways and, you know, the way, you know, might not seem to align with Christian values, various aspects of lifestyle that seem to be out of touch with sort of the traditional Christian perception of what good behavior is, you know. But I would also submit to you that, you know, Jesus spoke about the time in in parables. He spoke about the time when people would be invited into the kingdom, invited to the wedding supper from all walks of life and from the highways and byways and from everywhere, basically, because the people who were originally invited were found to be unworthy. And so I would just submit to you that, you know, as Christians in particular, not to be too judgmental because by and large, Christianity, you know, well, you know, when you look at the state of the world today, by and large, you have to say that Christianity didn't succeed in bringing the world to the ideal that God has. Instead, the world has degenerated. And I don't want to accuse the Christians as if it's their fault, but I just want to say that if you look at things objectively, you have to recognize that something has gone wrong with Christianity by and large. It hasn't had the impact and the effect that it should have and that it did in former times. And on the flip side of that, you see that Bitcoin is making a difference. It is having an effect and it is promoting goodness, justice, honesty, truth, good characteristics in the world. And it's promoting those things in such a powerful way that it's hard not to see Bitcoin as fulfilling the words of God, as we're reading in this particular chapter in Deuteronomy. And so, interestingly, in verse 21 here, it says that by doing all these things, by thinking about, speaking about, practicing and teaching the principles of the kingdom, so to speak, it says that your days may be multiplied by doing this, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them. This is highly reminiscent of one of the commandments, which is the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So this is echoing that, and in a sense, it's sort of repeating that blessing that if you do those things, if you keep this law and it's the center of everything you do, then in that way, the blessing of that commandment will come to you. And it says, as the days of heaven upon the earth. And so, meaning that in some kind of a sense, it will be like heaven on earth, okay? 
And isn't that what sort of the ultimate Bitcoin dream is about? If you look at uh, some of the thoughts on what the future will look like on the Bitcoin standard, you see beautiful pictures of heavenly cities. And, you know, that's the way it's understood. It's understood as bringing heaven to earth in that sense. And so I think it really fits the tenor of this verse. Now going to verse 22, for if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, the heathen nations, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Now, <laughs> this, this fits the context of Bitcoin also in that if you look at the fiat system, which is obviously bigger and mightier, so to speak, but it's the heathen system, right? It's the system that is against the law of God that's built on taking money by force. It's built on gaming the system. It's built on easy money, you know, this, this kind of thing. Then, but those nations, which are <laughs> greater and mightier than Bitcoin at the present time, they will be driven out. They'll be driven out by the Lord, okay, simply because of cleaving, of, of sticking to the laws of God. And so the lesson here is if we stick to the core principles of Bitcoin, and if we hold that tenaciously, and I'm speaking now particularly to node runners, in that way, we preserve the integrity of the system and we defend kingdom of Bitcoin, if you want, uh, in such a way that it, if that's done faithfully, then the Lord, that is to say, the, the one who is justice, he will drive out all those other inferior systems, whether you speak of, you know, all of the fiat systems, they will be driven out just by, it doesn't matter that they're so much bigger but just because of the faithfulness of the Bitcoin movement, faithfulness to the principles of the core principles of Bitcoin, that will empower them because they will have the power of goodness, the power of good on their side, power of God on their side. And it's just like the old films, you know, that used to actually extol good ideals and where the, the villain ultimately lost in the end and the, the righteous ones won. You know, that's what God promises here. And I believe that in the financial sense that Bitcoin is doing that. But it goes beyond the financial. That's what I want to really communicate in this podcast is that there's more to Bitcoin than just money. It's not about money. It's about character. It's about principles. And that's where the goodness aspect comes into the picture. And that's where Bitcoin has such a potential to change the world for good. And I think these verses explain that process very well. Every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. So in other words, everywhere where you do transactions, everywhere where lightning is accepted, everywhere where Bitcoin is accepted, those places are going to become your possessions. In other words, you're going to take over that part of the world. There shall no man be able to stand before you 
For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon. And isn't that true? And can't you see that today in the way that the fiat power structures and people in power are fearing and trembling because of Bitcoin? You know, you saw how the uh, United States uh, threatened El Salvador, you know, how the IMF threatened El Salvador, just as a couple of examples. And uh, there have been many remarks from these uh, people, you know, higher up people at, you know, the international banking uh, establishments and so forth, how, you know, when they speak, they recognize Bitcoin as a threat to them and they're afraid of it. And partly for that reason, they are doing everything in their power to create alternative systems. You know, you have the Fed now that just was uh, announced this week, not announced, um, it was opened for operation through a number of banks. And that, you know, offers 24-7, 365 payments, uh, instant payments. So, you know, they're competing. They're, they're trying to say, hey, you know, no, it's not just Bitcoin that that's always open, that's always ready for transactions. We, we also are, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling to keep up and struggling to project an image of that everything is good in the fiat world. And um, the sad thing is that most people believe that and you know, don't really recognize that ultimately the foundations of the system are corrupt. And uh, that's why they need Bitcoin. Not because Bitcoin is bigger or better or whatever uh, as a money necessarily, even though it is, but it's, it's the principles that make it good money. That's what's important. And that's what people need to learn and understand. And, you know, actually just uh, today there was an article on Bitcoin Magazine that was talking about that Bitcoin has the potential to lose to fiat because basically because the people choose fiat instead. And, you know, they succumb to all the propaganda, the uh, sort of programming that says Bitcoin is bad and fiat is good, you know. And yeah, that's definitely a real possibility. But I want to offer the encouragement that the Bible gives here, which is to say that if you shall diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do, in other words, if you will stay faithful to the principles of Bitcoin, it doesn't matter that you're smaller. Israel was smaller than the nations that they were going to drive out. That wasn't the issue. The issue was that if they would be faithful to their superior law, to their superior principles, to their superior God, then God would help them because there's something bigger in that scenario than just the people themselves. They had the power of God on their side. They had the power of righteousness on their side. And Bitcoiners have the power of justice on their side. They have something on their side that's bigger than them. And so it doesn't matter that the fiat world is is larger and more numerous in terms of the number of people and, you know, that sort of thing. What is important is that Bitcoiners stay true to their foundational principles and that they keep advancing in their conquest keep opening channels, keep establishing payment methods for Bitcoin, keep advancing the technology, 
keep defending against attacks. If we as Bitcoiners are faithful in these ways, then nothing else, nothing can stand against Bitcoin. And so it does not mean Bitcoin is inevitable, but it does mean that if you are faithful, then Bitcoin is inevitable. And that's where the blessing and the curse comes in. If you are faithful, then the blessing will come to you that is promised in these verses. But if you are not faithful, if you don't keep and guard the Bitcoin principles and defend the system and advance the system, then ultimately the curses will come. And those curses, by the way, are basically a description of abject slavery, which fits very well with the description of how the future would ultimately look under CBDCs and, you know, government-controlled money. And that actually brings me to the topic of uh, some things that I I was studying this week um, in regards to how the banks today are handling money. And actually, this touches the realm of Bitcoin as well, because, for example, um, there's the Bitcoin company app where you can buy virtual cards, right? And in that way, you can spend uh, your Bitcoin through the, the, you know, with existing merchants. And that seems, you know, nice and convenient and everything. You can pay with, you know, NFC uh, contactless payments and so forth. But there's a little catch there that I think really needs to be understood. And that's the fact that there are very precious few wallets out there uh, that work with these virtual cards. And, you know, there's the Google wallet. There's, oh, I don't know. I can't even think of the others. There's like two or three others at the most. Um, There's Apple Pay, I think, is one. And what else? I don't know. There's just, just a couple of them, two or three, you know. But banks also have these digital wallets and you can uh, use their virtual cards in these wallets and pay with your contactless NFC payments and so forth. So the thing is, these digital wallets also are able to have your health pass, which shows whether you've been vaccinated or not and so forth. And so the problem is that they are extremely centralized and they are extremely well connected to the government and to the identification system. So what it does is it, it basically makes your whole wallet, your digital wallet, become the property of the powers of government and big finance. And, you know, while it provides the convenience and everything right now today, the problem is that it allows them also the control so as soon as you don't comply with a particular health requirement or you don't comply with, it could be anything. It could just be that in some other area of your life, like, for example, uh, things you've posted on social media, that could feed into information that's connected to your digital identity that then uh, results in your not being able to make certain purchases. I mean, and this, you know, this could have noble intentions, This could have intentions of, like, for example, 
Um, a person who has shown violent tendencies not being able to purchase a gun, for example. That would just be something that seems like a noble intention, but in the end, the, the result, the, the amount of power and control and the sort of centralized nature of this makes it extremely dangerous to basic freedoms. And it's a system that is prone to abuse by the authorities. And so that is the danger of CBDCs in a sort of practical form. I, it's, you know, sometimes we get caught up on the acronyms, you know, and then we miss the real thing. You know, yeah, oh, CBDCs are bad. CBDCs are bad. Is FedNow a CBDC? No, 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 no. FedNow is not a CBDC. Ah, okay, then I can use FedNow. No, no, yeah, well, wait a minute, you know. It's not, <laughs> it's not so clear cut. And so I just want to sort of highlight the fact that these centralized wallets that are connected to sort of a centralized identity, um, this is really going in the way of slavery, okay? And it's in complete contrast to the Bitcoin way, which is the way of self-sovereignty, where your wallet is your wallet and, you know, you have the keys to it to prove that and to ensure that. And so what we need in the world is not systems like the existing NFC contactless pay systems, that you can use today. But what we need are systems that, you know, contactless is good. That's not the issue. But what we need are systems that are preserving of your privacy and of your freedom. And so, for example, to be able to pay with your own wallet that's truly your wallet and that the payment can't be stopped by a central authority or prevented by a central authority. And this is perhaps challenging because ultimately most of the vendors are very much accustomed to working with, you know, the big credit agencies and stuff like that, you know, through their point of sale systems. And so they already have this in their way of operating that you scan your credit card and if it's denied, it's denied, you know, it's, it's not their business, so to speak. But there's always that cash option, you know, and so you could always still uh, survive in this world, even if uh, you were unfortunate in terms of, you know, banking privileges or whatever. But as cash diminishes and is sort of taken out of the equation more and more, then we need a system to replace that that still maintains the permissionless nature and the anonymity or, or at least pseudo anonymity of it. You know, when you go to a store and you pay with cash, you know, it's possible if it's a store you go to regularly that you will be known and, you know, your identity is known, but the system doesn't know it. The, the person at the register won't deny you the sale because they don't like you, you know, <laughs> or something. It's part of the non-discrimination of businesses, you know, but with money that is controlled by a central authority, that kind of puts the discriminatory capability in the hands of those powers that be. And that is extremely dangerous because uh, then all of a sudden, anyone who uh, speaks against sort of the current narrative, it can be 
categorized as, you know, spreading disinformation or hate speech or whatever they, however they choose to classify it, maybe maliciously or maybe not maliciously, but just as a side effect, uh, because of different beliefs, a person could be denied the privilege of transacting with money. And so Bitcoin and the layers on top of it are important to ensure, to provide an alternative avenue of exchanging value, exchanging money uh, with people and with businesses in a way that does not restrict freedom. And so we need to stay on the path and we need to uh, uphold those critical values and not fall in line with the fiat system just for the sake of convenience. Convenience is great. I'm a super proponent of convenience, and I'm often frustrated by, especially by software tools that are inconvenient, needlessly inconvenient. Um, And so I think convenience is absolutely important, but we must focus on the principles. We must bind them to our foreheads and to our hands and teach them to our children and to our and really practice and promote the principles of sound money and in that way it is possible no matter how large and powerful the fiat mindset seems to be we can overcome these uh, giants and uh, conquer the land so to speak as God promised to the children of Israel. And so this is really seems to be turning into a Bitcoin sermon, more so than I anticipated, actually. But uh, anyway, that was, I think, an interesting look at this chapter in the light of Bitcoin. And I guess what I, just to kind of turn it around and make it more the, the, the sermon to Christians that I intended what I hope you take away from this is that Bitcoin can be seen to fulfill what the Word of God says in the Bible here. And that as a Christian, if you want to practice having the law of God on your forehead, think about Bitcoin, study it, learn the principles that are involved. If you want to have the law of God in your hand, if you want to practice the law of God, use Bitcoin because Bitcoin embodies the principles of God's law. It is just, it is sound, it is honest, it is true. And so when you transact with Bitcoin, you are practicing the law of God just as these verses say. And you're doing it in a way that you probably can't do in any other way in your Christian life. When you transact with fiat money, you are enabling a system of corruption, a system that openly steals from you, that says, hey, we're going to take 2% minimum. That's healthy for us to just take that by force through inflation. And of course, today it's not 2%, but that's just the number that's often quoted as the ideal. You know, so... If you don't want to enable a system of violence that that violently takes your money by force from right from out of your pocket without you even letting go of it, then, you know, you need an alternative and Bitcoin is that alternative. So as a Christian, to practice the law of God 
the integrity of God's law as it was given on Sinai and to sort of take it in hand, make it part of your daily life, then you need Bitcoin. You need to use Bitcoin on a daily basis. Accept it if you're you know, a business owner or whatever. If you're in, the, in a spot where you're receiving money, accept Bitcoin instead of fiat. And uh, if you're on the other side of making purchases, then seek out and promote ways to buy with Bitcoin instead of uh, with fiat. And uh, that's how you put the law of God in your hand, tie it to your hand, and teach it to your children. Study in your family the principles of Bitcoin, the principles of sound money, and teach your children and let them get started with it and have them do their whatever lemonade stand business that they do. Um, Have them do it with Bitcoin and teach them how to have a self-custody wallet and all this type of thing. So that's how Christians can be at the forefront of the battle for the kingdom of God today. And if you're faithful in that, if you stick to those principles, if you make Bitcoin a part of your daily life in all these ways, then, as it says, a blessing. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you don't. So really, make your choice and and take a stand for Bitcoin in your life. All right, so I think that was a great lesson from this passage. And now I would like to turn over to something very important. I wanted to actually make a brief comparison between the law as given on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, and the sort of law of Bitcoin, if you will. And I suppose others have probably made this comparison before, although I have not particularly come across it anywhere. But I would just like to put it out there. In the law of God, there are four commandments that pertain to our relationship with God And then there are six commandments that pertain to our relationship with others. So what I've noticed is that the first four commandments that deal with our relationship with God are very easy to identify in the context of Bitcoin and how Bitcoiners think and what they believe. Okay, And so I want to go over that. And then just kind of for the last six commandments, I would say... You know, those deal with our relationships with each other. You know, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, uh, honor your parents, don't covet. You know, so these are things that still apply and, you know, always will. So perhaps nothing more needs to be said about those. But when it comes to the first four commandments, this is what I want to show you. The first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me, God says. And I find it striking, okay, I find it very striking that there is a group within those who hold Bitcoin. The ones who I would consider true Bitcoiners are those who don't esteem any other currency. No other altcoin, no other uh, fiat currency. It doesn't mean that they don't use them or hold them for some reason, you know, perhaps to facilitate, you know, transactions in some way. They... They use other currencies, but they don't esteem them. They don't consider them valuable 
And that's the kind of mindset of thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, it's Bitcoin only. Bitcoin is what matters, not anything else. Okay. And everything should be done to support the Bitcoin ecosystem, not crypto in general or whatever else, but it's about Bitcoin. We need to build the world around Bitcoin, just like the Israelites were commanded to worship God alone. And in this way, God is able to bring about his promises to them, uh, to give them the land that he promised them. And so it's kind of like, you know, this is how God becomes king, right? Because in order to have a king, you have to be obedient to that king. You have to be faithful to that king and to his kingdom. And the same is with God. You know, God promises wonderful things to those who put their trust in him. But there's always the condition that you have to put him first. You have to be obedient to him. He has to be your king, your Lord, your God, okay, in order for him to be able to bless you in the way that he does through who he is, okay? And so Bitcoin is no different. It's a system that offers amazing promises, okay, of how it can transform the world for the better, okay? But in order to realize that, in order for that to materialize, you've got to put Bitcoin first, right? You can't just say, oh yeah, Bitcoin will fix everything. And then you go and uh, do all of your business with other methods that don't put Bitcoin first, that don't seek the interests of Bitcoin, okay? And so I think that's an absolutely clear parallel. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt be Bitcoin only, okay? And so... The second commandment almost seems a little bit redundant. It says, you know, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images and bow down to them. Okay, well, you know, you can almost say, well, isn't that kind of the same thing as thou shalt have no other gods before me? Well, it seems so, but it's perhaps an important emphasis. And what we have in the Bitcoin space in comparison to that is the principle of no altcoinery, okay? Don't go with altcoins. Don't invest in altcoins. Don't gamble with altcoins. Don't, just don't mess with them, okay? And it's interesting if you want, you know, those are the coins with like the pictures, the, the, the images on them, like the dog, you know, and stuff like that. And by the way, you know, dog is God spelled backwards, and so when you think of the dog coins out there, you know, that's, it's a mockery and it's really nothing to participate in, okay? It doesn't do anything for the Bitcoin ecosystem. It's all those kinds of altcoins, all altcoins, even Ethereum, even just all of them. Most of them are not based on proof of work and they're all either in principle or in practice they're centralized just by virtue of the nature of how they began. And none of them have anything to do with Bitcoin, okay? So thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images, and thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor worship them. So don't mess with altcoins or fiat in, in that sense, okay? So I think that's another very, very clear principle and a clear parallel between 
sort of the Bitcoin ethos and the commandments of God. And let me just read the verse in its entirety here, because it says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Okay, so that would include dogs, that would include unicorns, that could include lots of things. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Okay, so <clears throat> putting this in the context of altcoins, altcoins are like the graven images, okay? And it says, don't bow down to them or serve them. In other words, don't provide value. Don't, don't esteem them and use them in a way that you become a servant to them. It's like, so in other words, don't use them. Because just like as you use the dollar, for example, you become a servant of the dollar. You become a servant of the nation that controls the dollar. And that principle applies broadly. But it says, because for I the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. So in the context of Bitcoin now, understanding that Bitcoin embodies the principles of God's law, then what does it mean that God is a jealous God visiting the iniquity of former generations? It means that in the context of money, the sins of past generations, that is to say the abuse of the financial system of recent generations is going to be visited. And so to the degree that you participate in altcoins or fiat, you partake of those iniquities of the past generations, and that will be visited. In other words, justice will come through Bitcoin in this context, and you will suffer if you do not hold this commandment of refusing to uh, make or use altcoins. So I think that was important that we read that entire verse. And it's particularly interesting also that it speaks of visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And there's a lot of talk about sort of the fourth turning and things like that in, in the context of the financial revolution. And this fits the verse so clearly that, you know, normally we think of God, in fact, God himself said, no, the one who sins against me, he is the one who I will punish. In other words, he's just in his punishments. He doesn't punish the children because of the sins of the parent. Um, it talks about that in the book of Ezekiel. And it kind of sets the record straight because the Israelites had misunderstood this verse that we're reading right here. And they thought, oh, because of the sins of the fathers, the children are punished. No, 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 no. God is a God of justice. But if the children partake and participate in the sins of their fathers, then yes, they will be punished. And so I think it's very significant that this verse, in the context of the financial situation that's playing out now, it's very significant that God says that he will visit the iniquities of the parents, the fathers, upon the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, particularly in this context of 
making graven images. Or you could say, you know, and by the way, you know, idols were made out of gold and silver and things like that. They were things of value. They were meant as to, to embody wealth. That was what they were for. So when we apply altcoins to this concept, that's not a stretch. It's dealing with money here. That is the whole point of, you know, this context. So that's not a, that's not a stretch at all. And then uh, finally he says, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And what is that mercy that is going to be shown in the financial sense? It's the mercy that you have seen already as Bitcoin has risen. It's the mercy of those who have adopted the Bitcoin principles, those who have bought in to the code is law, to the law of Bitcoin, the ones who keep the commandments of the Lord, so to speak, who, who keep the principles of justice, all right? To those, mercy has been shown in the sense of Bitcoin's increase in value, that all of a sudden these, you know, many people found themselves very wealthy just because they had uh, bought into Bitcoin, okay? So if you buy in to the principles of justice today, God promises the showing of mercy to thousands of them that love him and keep his commandments. And that doesn't mean get rich quick. It doesn't mean that Bitcoin's going to skyrocket again and therefore uh, you should buy Bitcoin. No, it's about the character. It's about keeping the commandments. It's about honoring the law of God. And in this case, honoring his justice, his righteousness, his purity, his honesty, his integrity as embodied by Bitcoin. By using Bitcoin, you are honoring God and practicing his ways in your life. Okay, that's not the only way to honor God. There are other ways too that are perhaps even more important. But if you want to fight in the last battle and get at the core of what the kingdom of God is founded on, the currency on which his kingdom thrives, then Bitcoin is that aspect. Okay, so that was important to cover that in detail. I'm glad we did that. Okay, so now the third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain doesn't mean just swearing. Okay, yeah, that's using his name in vain, as in uh, superfluously or, or uh, without meaning, without caring. Uh, but that's not, in essence, what the verse is about. Taking his name means calling yourself by his name. Just like, you know, when a woman gets married and changes her name to the name of her husband, that's an example of taking his name, okay? So as a, as a church or as a Christian, individually, when you call yourself a Christian, that is taking the name of Christ. Or if you say, I believe in God, then you're taking his name, okay? That's what it's talking about here. And it says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. In other words, don't call yourself a Christian if you don't mean it. Don't say you believe in God if you don't mean it. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So now, this is really a strong warning to Christians, okay? Because if you're a Christian and you don't embrace Bitcoin, and you continue to support the fiat system, even though the knowledge is out there today, and it's there in plain sight how they're robbing you left and right, 
the conquest of Bitcoin will proceed and ultimately you will find yourself punished by remaining in the fiat system if you haven't already. But um, I would venture to say many have sensed that already and they already realize that something's going wrong and that they are coming under the control of centralized powers, of government powers, and their churches are being taken over and the ideals, the standards of the church have been compromised to uh, agree with the standards of the world. And all this has happened, and the churches are succumbing to this because they are not upholding the law of God. They're not practicing and standing firm in the true principles of God's kingdom. And so that's what it means to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Such ones call themselves Christians but they don't practice it. They don't have his law in their mind and in their hand, as we read about in Deuteronomy 11. But that's not where it ends. Part of the law of God was the returning of tithe, the returning of the tenth part of the increase. And that was to be taken to Jerusalem or to be laid up for the Levites in the area in either case, the Levites or the priests in Jerusalem, they were the ones who belonged to God. So by giving to them, it was giving to the Lord. Okay, so that was part of the law, and it was important to do that as part of being a child of God, being a citizen of his kingdom. That was part of the law of the kingdom. Okay, and so what that means today, the way you lay up your tithe for the Levites. Man, I really wish we had the time to go into this, but just just briefly though, the way you lay up your tithe for the Levites is by putting a tenth of your income, if, if you're still working in a fiat job or that sort of thing, um, any income you make, if by putting a tithe of it, a tenth of it into Bitcoin, that's laying up the tithe for the Levites, okay? And in that way, you have that set aside, and it's still in your power, it's still in your gates, it's still in your possession, and that's completely on a voluntary free will basis, okay, just as it was in the time of Israel, that the law stipulated that you give a 10%, but, you know, of course, who can enforce that across the whole nation? You know, that's, it's a matter of individual conscience. It's a free will acknowledgement of your fidelity to the law of God and to all of its regulations and rules and statutes that were connected with the Ten Commandments. And so that's all encompassed here when it talks about taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And so um, another way to express that would be don't call yourself a Bitcoiner if you're not hodling at least 10%. Okay, so um, that's that would be just kind of a simple way to translate that. Okay, now that brings me to the fourth commandment. And I think, man, this is another topic that is just so deep. And there's so much that I could say about it. And I will certainly do other episodes probably on this topic alone. But simply remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the seventh day of the week. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it 
Thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy sons, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. That's the last of the four commandments that pertain directly to God, that involve our relationship to him. He says to remember the seventh day because of him, because he created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh day. Keeping the Sabbath is strictly about having a relationship with God. And in the context of Bitcoin, where this becomes important, and, you know, I'm just observing things, and I see, wow, it's just kind of amazing what is happening here in the Bitcoin world in regards to the seventh day, okay? First of all, I want to just point out that it's so natural and normal that Bitcoiners gather together on a weekly basis for their Bitcoin meetups and whatever. Sometimes it's not weekly, okay? Sometimes it's monthly or whatever, but a lot of times it's a weekly meetup. And if you think about podcasts, a lot of them are on a weekly cadence. And so the point is to come together and in the Christian context, it would be coming together and worshiping God together on the seventh day. But in the Bitcoin context, it's about coming together and studying the law of God as it is expressed in Bitcoin. And I venture to say that this isn't just a comparison. Okay, most people aren't going to be thinking, consciously thinking about the fact that when they are teaching Bitcoin at their meetups or when they are you know, talking about the different projects that are going on and how the realm of Bitcoin is expanding and, you know, digging into the technical details and, you know, talking about the principles and the the future and, you know, all of what Bitcoin is doing in the world. What has happened in the Bitcoin world that week, you know, talking about the news, you know, people are not consciously thinking about the fact that they are actually investigating. They're actually studying the law of God. But in essence, they are because the principles of Bitcoin at the core are the principles of God. Okay? The principles of truth, justice, integrity, honesty, all these good things. And so I just think it's fascinating that a certain kind of remembering the Sabbath day is happening in the Bitcoin space. Okay, but it's not enough. For a Christian, it's not enough because a Christian recognizes more in it. Now, the uh, Ten Commandments are recorded in two places in the Bible. Of course, they permeate the whole Bible, but there are two places where all Ten Commandments are, are listed out one by one altogether. And in one instance, uh, here in Exodus 20, verse 10, it explains the reason for the seventh day as being because God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh day. Okay, but then in Deuteronomy 5, I believe it is, let's go there real quick, um, it actually gives a different reason, which is very fascinating in the light of what's happening today. Okay, now I tell you, these things just get exciting to me, to me and I wish that I could go on forever on these topics. 
or as long as I need, but I know we're going to run out of time here. Anyway, Deuteronomy 5, and it, record, it recounts all the Ten Commandments, but there's a variation in the Fourth Commandment. Here's how it goes. Verse 13 of Deuteronomy 5. Uh, sorry, verse 12. Yeah. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. So far the same. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. So far all the same as in Exodus 20. And then it says in verse 15, And remember, remember what? Does it say remember the creation? No, this time it's different. It says, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, a slave, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Wow. So now we have a second reason that is explicitly and clearly given for why to honor the seventh day, or why to honor God by keeping the seventh day. And that is because he delivered Israel from bondage, from slavery to Egypt. Now, Egypt is a symbol for the world. And if you look at the world today and you look at the fiat standard that's in use all over the world and how it is literally bondage, how the powers that be are literally taking money from you, stealing from you by force, without your consent, without your power to resist. You know, slavery can't get any worse than that. And God has given a system called Bitcoin that flies against that and that delivers, that gives hope again, that brings hope and that provides deliverance from that system of slavery through a mighty hand. Uh, if, if anyone can, if anyone is not sure how mighty Bitcoin is, just think about how hard it is to do a 51% attack and, you know, all these kinds of things, how strong the encryption is, you know, many other uh, resources delve into those things. Bitcoin is the mighty hand of God. I believe, because the principles of the system are in harmony, in line. They're an expression of the principles of God.